Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of chest trauma found under the cardiovascular section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 35-year-old man presents to the emergency department with a stab wound to the left chest, lateral and above the nipple. The paramedics report that he had been writhing in pain in the ambulance. His blood pressure is 80 over 50, pulse is 120 beats per minute, and respirations are 22 breaths per minute. Tube thoracostomy is performed in the left chest at the fifth intercostal space. About 1,500 milliliters of blood is evacuated immediately, but the patient continues to lose blood. Let's continue with an introduction to chest trauma. Remember that trauma to the chest accounts for approximately 50% of trauma mortality. 80% of all chest injuries can be managed non-surgically with simple measures including intubation, chest tubes, and pain control. And the location and mechanism of injury determines the acuity and management strategy. Moving on to the presentation, remember that different chest trauma diagnoses can be identified and managed during primary and secondary surveys. The primary survey may help to identify airway obstruction, which can present with acute anxiety, stridor, hoarseness, altered mental status, apnea, and cyanosis. One can also identify diagnoses such as tension pneumothorax, open pneumothorax, massive hemothorax, flail chest, and cardiac tamponade. The secondary survey may help to identify pulmonary contusion, which is blunt trauma to the chest causing interstitial edema that impairs compliance and gas exchange, a ruptured diaphragm, which is usually due to blunt trauma to the chest or abdomen, and esophageal injury, which is usually due to penetrating trauma. Remember that there will be pain out of proportion to the degree of injury, and one should not use barium as it is caustic, so gastrographin is preferred. One may also be able to identify an aortic tear. Remember that 90% of cases tear at the subclavian artery near the ligamentum arteriosum. Also remember that most patients will unfortunately die at the scene. One may also be able to identify blunt myocardial injury. In terms of further studies, for diseases suspected in the primary survey, the diagnoses are primarily clinically based on history and exam, but a rapid workup can include an arterial blood gas, a chest x-ray, and a bedside ultrasound, such as a FAST. In terms of studies for the diseases that are suspected in the secondary survey, for a pulmonary contusion, a chest x-ray may demonstrate opacification of the lungs within six hours, and there may be respiratory decompensation. For a ruptured diaphragm, the chest x-ray may demonstrate an abnormal peridiaphragmatic anatomy, and a CT scan and endoscopy is necessary if further workup is needed. An esophageal injury may demonstrate potential pneumomediastinum on chest x-ray, and one may perform an esophagram and esophagoscopy. For an aortic tear, one can consider a chest x-ray, CT scan, and TEE, but remember that a CT aortography is the gold standard. And for blunt myocardial injury, one may note dysrhythmias and ST changes. In terms of management, for airway management, remember to intubate early if airway compromise is suspected. A needle thoracostomy may be performed, and one should use a large bore needle at the second intercostal space in the midclavicular line. This is the best initial step in management of a tension pneumothorax. For a tube thoracostomy, a chest tube at the fifth intercostal space in the anterior axillary line may be placed. 
This is the next step in management after a needle placement in tension pneumothorax. For oxygenation, one can use positive pressure ventilation for flail chest. For circulation, IV crystalloids for early management of hemodynamic instability are key, and one can transfuse for significant blood loss. Thoracotomy is indicated if there is greater than 1,500 milliliters of total blood loss or greater than 200 milliliters per hour of continued drainage of blood for greater than three hours. And lastly, surgical repair may be performed as needed. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to chest trauma, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old woman presents to the emergency department after a motor vehicle collision. She was the front seat unrestrained driver in a head-on collision at 25 miles per hour. Her temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 129 over 66. Pulse is 127 beats per minute. Respirations are 16 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. The primary and secondary survey are performed and are only notable for bruising along her chest wall bilaterally. An initial pelvic radiograph and an electrocardiogram are performed and are unremarkable. A chest radiograph is performed and is notable for a sternal fracture and several rib fractures. The patient is given morphine and her heart rate subsequently improves to 80 beats per minute. The patient is observed in the emergency department over the next six hours and her laboratory values in a repeat ECG return within normal limits. The patient suddenly complains of shortness of breath. Her temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 127 over 68. Pulse is 120 beats per minute. Respirations are 28 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 91% on room air. A repeat chest radiograph is performed which demonstrates patchy and irregular alveolar infiltrates. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome Choice 2. Cardiac Contusion Choice 3. Hemothorax Choice 4. Pneumonia Or Choice 5. Pulmonary Contusion The best answer to this question is choice 5, pulmonary contusion. This patient is presenting after blunt chest trauma with diffuse and bilateral pulmonary infiltrates with sudden respiratory decompensation, suggesting a diagnosis of a pulmonary contusion. A pulmonary contusion is typically seen after blunt trauma to the chest. While it may not be clinically apparent initially, external bruising to the chest wall and rib or sternal fractures can suggest significant trauma that could lead to this diagnosis. Blunt trauma to the lungs may initially not be apparent either clinically or on radiography. However, parenchymal bruising can lead to subsequent tachypnea, tachycardia, and hypoxia, which can occur hours later. Chest radiography will demonstrate patchy and irregular alveolar infiltrates, and arterial blood gas analysis will demonstrate hypoxemia. There is no definitive treatment for a pulmonary contusion other than supportive therapy, which includes monitoring the patient, stabilizing their blood pressure, administering oxygen, and intubation if necessary. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. 
Choice 1. Acute respiratory distress syndrome would present with sudden and severe shortness of breath secondary to trauma, sepsis, overdose, transfusion, pancreatitis, or aspiration. Patients are typically critically ill with multi-system organ failure, and radiography will demonstrate diffuse bilateral involvement with ground glass changes and frank alveolar infiltrates. In the setting of blunt chest trauma in a young patient with the radiography provided, a pulmonary contusion is a more likely diagnosis. However, acute respiratory distress syndrome should certainly be considered. Choice 2. Cardiac contusion would present after blunt chest trauma and could present with chest pain, shortness of breath, ECG changes, and elevated troponin. While this patient's initial trauma may have led to this presentation, her absence of ECG findings, normal troponins, and pulmonary infiltrates on radiology suggest an alternative diagnosis. Choice 3. Hemothorax would present with pulmonary decompensation after trauma with a unilateral accumulation of radio-opaque fluid in the lung rather than diffuse, patchy, and irregular alveolar infiltrates. A chest tube should promptly be placed to drain the hemothorax, and surgery may be needed for persistent or severe bleeding. Choice 4. Pneumonia presents with a cough, fever, pulmonary crackles, and a lobar consolidation on chest radiography and would not be associated with trauma. Aspiration pneumonia could be seen after trauma. However, it would not manifest hours later with diffuse and bilateral infiltrates. Finally, a bullet summary. Pulmonary contusion presents with tachypnea, tachycardia, and hypoxia, status post-blunt trauma to the chest, and presents on radiography with patchy and irregular alveolar infiltrates. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old man presents to the emergency department after a motor vehicle collision. He was the unrestrained driver in a high-speed collision into a telephone pole. The patient was thought to be intoxicated with multiple substances. His temperature is 99.0 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 119 over 70 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 133 beats per minute and respirations are 15 breaths per minute. His oxygen saturation is 95% on room air. The patient's primary and secondary surveys are completed and are notable only for multiple abrasions over his chest and abdomen. The patient is intubated for his Glasgow coma scale of 7. A CT scan of the patient's head, neck, and torso is remarkable only for multiple bilateral rib fractures. The patient is admitted to the ICU. The following day, it is noted that his oxygen saturation is persistently dropping despite an increasing FiO2. A chest radiograph is performed, which demonstrates diffuse whitening out of the lungs with the right lung more affected than the left. The patient is currently on a positive end expiratory pressure of 7 millimeters of mercury and has a PaO2 of 80 millimeters of mercury and an FiO2 of 40%. Which of the following is the most likely etiology of this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Acute respiratory distress syndrome Choice 2. Aspiration pneumonia Choice 3. Hemothorax Choice 4. Pneumothorax Or Choice 5. Pulmonary contusion
The best answer to this question is choice 5, pulmonary contusion. This patient is presenting after blunt chest trauma with multiple rib fractures with respiratory distress roughly 24 hours after trauma and diffuse whitening out of the lung, suggesting a diagnosis of a pulmonary contusion. A pulmonary contusion typically occurs after blunt trauma to the chest and is typically associated with rib fractures or a flail chest. The pathophysiology is related to direct injury to the lung, which causes increased capillary permeability, edema, and hemorrhage in the absence of a lung laceration. The patients will often present with chest pain, dyspnea, hypoxia, tachypnea, and increased ventilatory support needs. The diagnosis can be supported with a chest radiograph, demonstrating opacification and whitening out of the lung hours after the blunt trauma. CT scan can demonstrate ground glass opacities and contusions. The management of a pulmonary contusion is analgesia, spirometry, ventilatory support, and treatment of any other injuries while keeping fluid administration to a minimum in order to not overload the lungs. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Acute respiratory distress syndrome can occur after infection, pancreatitis, or blunt trauma to the chest, as in this patient. However, acute respiratory distress syndrome usually presents in a more critically ill patient with a chest radiograph that is more diffusely hazy. A PaO2 to FiO2 ratio of greater than 300 suggests against ARDS. It is possible that if this patient's pulmonary condition progressively worsens and he has a repeat radiograph with a more diffuse injury, then he could develop ARDS at a later time. It is difficult to discern these two diagnoses. However, consider that a pulmonary contusion is generally less severe but can progress and become ARDS. Choice 2. Aspiration pneumonia would present with the focal consolidation in the lung, typically in a patient who cannot protect the airway, such as an elderly patient, an alcoholic, or an obtunded patient. This patient's diffuse lung haziness 24 hours later suggested the etiology of his symptoms is secondary to blunt trauma and a pulmonary contusion. Choice 3. Hemothorax presents with an effusion on chest radiograph after blunt trauma. This patient's opacities on chest radiograph reflect edema and inflammatory changes rather than a fluid collection, which would be at the basis. Choice 4. Pneumothorax presents with hypoxia, chest pain, and an absence of lung markings extending to the periphery on chest radiograph. Treatment involves chest tube placement in large pneumothoraces and all tension pneumothoraces. Finally, a bullet summary. A pulmonary contusion occurs after blunt trauma and presents with increasing respiratory distress with diffuse whitening out of the lung. That's all for this review about chest trauma. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. 
We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.